G'day, my name is Eero, Imperial Rebel Orc, and this is my show called Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. On today's show, episode 13, I'm talking historical miniatures and historical wargaming. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for the Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. First of all, let it be known that I have never played a historical tabletop war game. Let it be known that I've also never really played a proper Warhammer 40,000 tabletop war game. Let it be known that I've never really played a proper tabletop war game full stop. As I've explained in past episodes, I have played tabletop war games, but it's always been a weird mishmash of crazy and very simple, very, very simple rules. Um, We kind of just make it up as we go along, but it's been a lot of fun. Why am I telling you that? Because this episode isn't about the intricacies of playing historical tabletop games. Um, it's it's not about the rules, it's not about the details, it's not about the tactics, it's just going to be me talking about how excited I would be to play a proper historical tabletop war game. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Like many of you, I'm guessing, uh, I have a, a real interest, a real fascination with historical warfare. World War II being probably number one, I'd say. Uh, my my very close friend Warren shares the same passion, so it's kind of cool to talk to him about particular battles or, um, you know, particular governments around that time, um, fascist regimes and Holocaust, you know, it's all very, can be very dark, but it, it, very interesting um, section of history in the human history there. Uh, but I also like things like the war of Inde- the American War of Independence, um, American Civil War. Uh, I've got a, a real fascination with medieval warfare and like um, castle siege weaponry and all that kind of thing as well. The Vietnam War is also a big one. Um, pretty much anything to do with uh, the French Foreign Legion as well, especially in the early 1800s kind of era when the, like the conquest of Algeria, that kind of that kind of setting is really cool. Uh, the Anglo-Zulu War is another big one for me, as some of you probably already know because of my Rourke's Drift project. And of course, Napoleonic Wars, um, fascinating, absolutely fascinating um, historical period when it comes to warfare. To get my fix of historical uh, warfare has always been conversations with my good buddy, like I said, but also watching um, lots of diff- different documentaries. There's some amazing ones on YouTube, but even as, ever since I was a little kid with that, I'd be watching documentaries on World War II, World War One, whatever it was, you know, and was always captivated by it. As I've got older, the interest for historical warfare has only grown, but it's matured as well. As I've uh, so <laughs> very slowly matured as well, I'm quite a fan of saying I'm a 41-year-old kid. But, you know, when, the more you read, the more, you, and the, as you get older, the more you become aware of the fact that, yeah, of course, as we all know, war is hell. But it does make me start to look at things like wargaming a little bit differently. So I, when it comes to branching out, I suppose, into historical wargaming um, or even just his, collecting historical uh, um, military figurines and painting them, uh, yeah, the accuracy is fairly 
important to me. And I don't know if it's because uh, I'm trying to be respectful. I guess it is a little bit of that. Or just wanting to sort of pay homage, but also not make a mockery of it. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to... um, I don't want to have a bunch of German paratroopers and paint them hot pink. Not not that I would anyway, but I don't know. I don't want to tinker with what is historically accurate, what's already been done. You know, like when it comes to the Warhammer world, of course, like it's, 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 you've got free reign to do whatever you want. But when it comes to, yeah, our history, I think it's almost... Um, is duty a strong word? I don't know, but to get it right as much as you can. Now, for someone like me who has quite the warped um, (laughs) imagination, I suppose, it's quite a challenge to stick to the rules, you know, like it really is. But I do feel a sense of, yeah, just I want to get it right. So my Rourke's Drift project, for example, I want to get it as accurate as I possibly can, right down to the names of the people that were there. Now, that's, it's pretty crazy, I suppose, but I don't know, there's something about paying homage to the people that were there that kind of um, ticks a big box for me, a respectful box, you know. Unfortunately, I don't know, or I haven't been able to find the names of all the Zulu warriors that fought there. Now, there were four, over 4,000 of them, so that would be quite the task, but it would have been good to at least get some names. But I'm still on that trail. Maybe I can find like some of the leader names and that kind of thing, but it's been challenging so far. Another historical project I, I plan on embarking, hopefully this year of 2020, is bolt action. So bolt action, for those of you that may not know, is um, a World War II tabletop war game. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's produced by Warlord Games. The, oh man, the miniatures for one are just fantastic, like just really highly detailed. And, you know, you've got all your different regiments, your different units, you've got um, all your different factions, you've even got, you've got the main ones, of course, you've got the Germans, you've got the English, you've got the Americans, but you've also got the smaller ones like the, well, well, when I say smaller, but uh, maybe lesser, you've got lesser known, like Polish, you've got um, Italians, uh, that kind of thing, like Hungarians, like it's, it's quite, it gets quite involved and it's been tricky as a collector and as someone who's just obsessed with miniatures it's been tricky to sort of you know pull on the reins a bit and go whoa Luke you can't have all of them well maybe one day you can but for now you know just settle for this so my first the first army that I'm going to paint uh is actually going to be an Australian army so I'm uh, the ADF so I'm looking forward to um getting stuck into that and like with the Rourke's Drift project, um, I will be sticking to, you know, as much as I can, what the colour scheme was. So painting them as accurately as possible. And despite my, my the other side of my brain that is very, very creative and warped and wanting to go crazy with all my conversions and kit bashings and, and paint schemes, there's another side of me that is actually really looking forward to trying to uh, replicate... Um, historically accurate stuff too like that's i don't know there's something kind of cool about that and i think you know i've got high hopes of of obviously fielding these armies one day and having a game with my friends and that kind of thing and i think yeah to be able to look down and see you know a whole bunch of aussie troops in their slouch hats painted in the in the in a in as close as i can khaki green then 
and they're battling, you know, the Japanese or something. I think that's going to be quite a cool looking table. What I won't do though is get bogged down in the exact shade or color of the uniforms and things like that, or the, even the uh, the tanks and vehicles and things too, because I've seen online um, where look and for me I think it's a fine line between you want to be as accurate and as respectful as possible but you know it's going to take the fun away from it if I if it's not exactly the right shade of green for the car keys that the the Australians wore you know like so so I yeah I'm not going to get bogged down with that I'm going to of course I'm going to have uh, reference material which is Google image <laughs> and look at, you know, what the uniforms were and, and hopefully not just get like a, um, a drawn picture, but like, a you know, a picture of, um, uh, them wearing it in a museum or something, you know, like a mannequin in a museum, something like that. I'll get a, I'll get a rough sort of gauge on it, but I'm not, I'm not the type of person to get really, um, weighed down by those minor details, dare I say, whereas some people, that's their, you know, that's their thing. They want to make it exactly right. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's definitely not me. I also have a whole bunch of, uh, Vikings and medieval type figurines, but however, unlike the bolt action and unlike Rourke's Drift, I'm kind of looking forward to tinkering around around with those a bit so i'm not going to be i might have some um you know saved images of of medieval chainmail and and the leather they wore and the color schemes they had i'll, I'll go roughly by that but i'm going to kind of be a bit um more open with it a bit more use my own sort of imagination a little bit more because i'm not really i might eventually i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do the battle of hastings or or you know, or Agincourt or anything like that. I, I've got my idea for the medieval stuff is kind of blending fantasy world with reality. So having um, a whole bunch of Saxon knights, <laughs> um, but they're battling chaos marauder barbarian type figurines. And to, <laughs> in my mind, I think that'd be pretty gnarly. In some of the first books I ever saw or read about tabletop wargaming I saw uh, were about Napoleonic wargames and some of the pictures I've still got ingrained in my mind are these huge battlefields these huge tables and I can't I can't remember now if they were 172 scale 148 scale or 135 scale um, but they it was huge like these huge green tables and they might have some hills and stuff like that it was a pretty basic terrain setup but I remember just the columns after columns of columns of colorful uh, uniform troops you know you'd have a whole bunch of red coats you'd have a whole bunch of blue coats green coats yellow coats white coats you name it it was <laughs> it was there when you when you talk when you're talking Napoleonics. And they had cavalry units, you know, they had uh, the, um, I remember one picture showed the, I forgot what it's called now, but the tactical square where the line infantry would basically form a square and that was their way of sort of um, holding position and, you know, kicking ass basically and taking names. Yeah, so that, because of those images, those early images of from when I was a kid, seeing those in those library books, I've got this grand idea of of 
doing something Napoleonic as well. I don't even, I haven't given it a whole heap of thought to be honest, but I know that one day I want to do something with Napoleonics, but it's such a, such a huge era that I, to be honest, I don't know where to start. My, I think my natural inclination is to go with redcoats, is to go with the British because of my own background. But at the same time, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sort of doing that with the, uh, the Rourke's Drift project. And even though I love red, <laughs> there's only so much red I can do, you know? So, so another part of me thinks, oh, the French are pretty cool though. And of course I'd like to have, you know, a whole bunch of factions, but, but to start me off, to get me really stuck in, I need something that's going to just go, yep, this is, they're really cool. They're unique. So I've quite, I've taken a bit of a fancy to the, to Napoleon's, um, Imperial Guard, actually. <laughs> so yeah, they'd probably be the first ones that I start with as far as paint, collecting and painting. Another key project, uh, historical project for me will be the Alamo, the Battle of the Alamo, uh, 1836. That again, like the Rorkshrift and like I think I mentioned, um, I'm a big fan of against the odds kind of battles. Um, that's another great one. You've got a, you know, you've got a Spanish mission, a whole bunch of dudes trying to defend it against thousands of, of other dudes. <laughs> like it can't get any better really. Uh, and yeah, so that's another, you know, that's another, um, uh, probably a big project that I'll be tackling later on down the track as well. And I know that I'll have a lot of fun with it. And I know just like Rourke's Drift, I'll, I'll probably be intent on making it as accurate as possible. As far as playing any historical tabletop war games goes, um, I'd really like to learn bolt action. I think that one, as I mentioned, I think World War II is probably uh, on top of the list. I don't like to say <laughs> my favorite wars, but you know what I mean? Like it's on, it's, it's the most uh, captivating for me, I think. And I think also because my good buddy is, has such a passion for it, I might be able to win him over into miniatures and tabletop wargaming by going, hey, look, I've, you know, I've basically created the Battle of Stalingrad right here in front of your very eyes. So why don't you be the Soviets? I'll be the Germans and let's go to town. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I think that's in the back of my mind as well. But also, I just think it, when I've watched... Um, uh, what do you call them, uh, battle reports on YouTube, I find those probably a little bit more interesting than the Warhammer 40,000 ones only because I, I guess there's a certain familiarity with it. Like because of all the war movies I've watched and all the documentaries, I kind of know when they're talking about a, a certain regiment or whatever or paratroops, or I, I, I know what they're talking about. Whereas when it comes to the Warhammer 40,000 world, I still get a little bit lost with some of the names. Yes, I can go, okay, so they're, um, you know, they're the Dark Angels and they're the Necrons, but sometimes I get a little bit lost with the terminology of, of actual, like, tanks and bits and pieces. Whereas, yeah, World War II, it kind of makes a bit more sense to me. And, yeah, I think the, the realism... Um, is kind of cool too. So, so you know, going back to these famous battles that have already happened and there's a whole, you know, story behind it that's actually true, to try and replicate that or maybe even to try and turn the events. So instead of, you know, the Germans winning a particular engagement, then you, you know, you might, you might, and 
call in some um, reinforcements for the British or whatever and change the history. <laughs> I think that's kind of fun too. And I think that would allow me to be a little bit more creative with a historical setting, if that makes sense. Jan Hut, man, we have reason to believe the enemy is just across that ravine and he's going by the name of Imperial Rebel Ark. We need him crushed, and I mean crushed today. Staying with the historical theme of the episode today, I thought I'd do a hobby spotlight on Little Wars TV. This is a YouTube channel brought to you by a bunch of nerds. Uh, now I say that in an endearing way. Uh, they also, they're self-proclaimed nerds, I've got to say too. Um, a bunch of nerds who for the last 20 odd years have been getting together once a week to talk history, uh, well, you know, war history, um, research war history, and then play tabletop war games. And it's, it's quite compelling stuff, I've got to say. The videos are really, really well produced and presented, and I, I appreciate that because, you know, there's everyone wants to do a YouTube. I even dabbled in it and sort of didn't really go anywhere. Well, it was all right. Like, I quite enjoyed it, but podcast is definitely more my format, more my cup of tea, I think. I've got a good face for radio, I'd say. <laughs> but their, yeah, their channel is really well done. They really put the time and effort in, not just into their their knowledge and into the wargaming, but how, yeah, how they present the show. It's it's very professional, which for me um, makes it all the more interesting to watch. Much like um, striping striking scorpion eighty two tabletop minions, just to name a few. Um, yeah, when it's when you've when they've clearly put more time and effort into what they're doing, then it, it makes for a much more enjoyable watching experience, in my opinion. Now, the lads pretty much cover every period of warfare you can think of, really. Um, they've got medieval stuff. They've got World War Two, World War I. Uh, they've done Napoleonics. You name it, they've done it. Um, but more recently, they've actually started to dabble in Star Wars stuff, like Legion. And that's, yeah, that's cool. They do product reviews, um, such as they do like rule set reviews. They play out games and see what works, what doesn't work, all that kind of thing as well. They do interviews, then they do tutorials. Tutorials are cool. Um, they Again, they present them really well. The most recent one I watched was on how to make bocage. Um, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to use that method when later on down the track when I, when I get stuck into my bolt action project. Occasionally, they ask the big questions as well. And a video I watched just the other night was, why don't more women play tabletop war games, especially historical war games? Honestly, guys, if you want it, they've got it uh, when it comes to historical wargaming. That's predominantly what they do, as I say. You're not going to really find a lot of 40K kind of stuff on there. But for those of us that have a passion or desire or interest in, in anything historical warfare, then these dudes are your dudes to watch. Uh, one thing I really like is they inject a lot of humor into their into their videos as well. Quite often one of them will be sporting like a, a pith helmet or a World War II German square helmet. Um, yeah, or they even like go the full hog and dress up as like General Robert Lee from, you know, the Confederates, <laughs> which is, yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. I don't ever do that myself personally, but hey, who knows? 
there's always a chance. So do yourself a favor, go check out Little Wars TV over on YouTube. Just type it in, you'll find them. They've got a ton of videos there. You can really get lost in it, and it's a whole lot of fun. Humanity is hell. Machine is future. It is bucketing down where I am, so I'm not sure if the rain is going to affect the sound quality. Um, yeah, I might just check, hang on. Oh, it's not too bad, especially with my booming tones. Um, okay, so what have I been up to? Well, it's all been about, you know what, Hellgate. So as you can hear by that uh, cool little soundbite thing I made, I've been, yeah, I've been dabbling with, um, well, would you call it music? More just atmospheric noise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like, I really like going crazy with my imagination and being creative in all different mediums. Is that the right term? You know, so, so writing, uh, building, painting, and then musically as well, yeah. So like it's like the whole package. I, I, I get a, a real buzz out of all that kind of stuff. So as well as exploring different sounds and things and bits and pieces for Hellgate, I've also uh, got, I got my hands on a couple of uh, statue things and uh, yeah, not, not, not actual, you know, model terrain pieces, just like little statuettes you find in someone's garden or like home decor, that kind of thing. Home decor, you say decor or decor? Anyway, uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been mucking around with those. I got a, a St. Raphael, uh, you know, religious statuette. It was painted really like, you know, that cheap gold. Um, I've base coated it black and then scratched off some of the black and then done different layers of um, uh, sprayed on red colors, like, um, like a, even a fire engine red down to more of like a burnt umber, mucking around with that. That was kind of fun. And also I got, a, uh, got my hands on a little, uh, like a Buddha statue and just a little, you know, ceramic sort of uh, pot thing, but with the Buddha face on it. So what I did, I took it home, took it into the garage, put on my protective eyewear <laughs> and uh, got the old hammer out and yeah, very carefully and gently smashed it. <laughs> um, because what I wanted was like half a face, half the face of the Buddha. So I, I, I smashed it, it's hard to explain, but I smashed it in a certain way so that I saved most of the face. It was tricky and obviously risky, but then again, it cost me like $4. So if it, you know, if it didn't work out, I'd go and buy another one and try it again, and then another one and try again. Um, yeah, but it worked a charm the first time, so that's always good. And yeah, I've given that a bit of a base coat and a, and a spray of red, all to tie in with the, uh, the aesthetic of uh, Hellgate, which is red, dark, hot, scary. 
Also, in an attempt to uh, tidy up and sort out and organise my fungin, the Eero Studio, I bought a whole bunch of plastic tubs um, from the hardware store um, and, yeah, have slowly started to chip away and putting things into plastic boxes rather than sandwich bags, baggies, I think some people call them. Uh, Because, yeah, well, one, it looks nicer. And two, yeah, obviously protects your models because if you're piling up bags of plastic miniatures, there's bound to be some damages and, yeah, I wouldn't like that for my little guys. But needless to say, you know, organising and cleaning and tidying up during my uh, allocated hobby time isn't exactly fun, in my opinion. It can, like, the end result is always nice, but, yeah, I'm not exactly enjoying myself as much as I would be if I was, you know, cutting up and converting and painting stuff. Um, So, yeah, needless to say, I've been quite distracted. (laughs) So it's only, you know, I've only done one-fifth of what I really need to do in the studio. Uh, But, you know, I'll get there. I wanted to say thank you to those of you that have been listening to the podcast. It's actually, um, yeah, I've been quite taken aback and very humbled by the fact that that quite a few people have been listening, which is is really, really nice and uh, makes it all the worthwhile for me to do these things. As I've mentioned before, I really enjoy doing them. Um, It doesn't take too much out of my working week or anything like that take much of my time um maybe 45 minutes to sort of talk and then edit and blah 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 um but yeah it's been it's been really really nice to get some feedback and just to know yeah just to know that people were signing up and following and listening and yeah i i really really do appreciate it because you know i mean who am i i'm just some dude in australia who i'm a gardener i'm a dad i'm a friend i'm you know like who am i and here i am twiddling away with my little models and talking about it and and <laughs> yeah the fact that people are tuning in to have a listen and enjoy it yeah makes me happy so thanks guys that's it for episode 13 wow smashing through them aren't we um if you'd like to email me you can email me imperialrebelorc at gmail.com actually while we're on emails just uh, wanting to say thanks to frank he emailed me this morning just to say that he's enjoying the podcast so thank you frank um you can also find me on instagram imperialrebelorc and for the readers amongst you you can find my blog imperialrebelorc.wordpress just type it in you'll find it now as a special little treat well it depends how you look at it you might see it as a as a horrible horrible thing and just tune out right now i've got a little bit more music i, I, I sort of struggle calling it music but then again i suppose you know we're talking my own little 40k world uh called hellgate and i guess that is the kind of music they might listen to in some dark, dingy, you know, skanky, horrible place of like a like a saloon or pub or something where they just go and drown their sorrows, all these, uh, the inhabitants of Hellgate. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe they are bopping to this kind of music. But anyway, I've called it a Hellgate dream. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, that's cool, but it's it's very weird. I suggest you listening to it with your headphones on because then you'll hear more. You'll hear all the little creepy little bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll end with that. But thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, this has been episode 13 of the Imperial Rebel Orc podcast. I'll see you on episode 14. But for now, it's a Hellgate dream.